from Anchor FM, this is Etch the Edges, where we climb the steep cliffs of the divide, the issues that separate us from the right and the left, and we do the hard work of closing that divide. Find the common ground we know we all share. Hi, I'm B.S. Brown, your host, and together we will etch the edges. America has often been at the crossroads, and yet here we are again. What do we do? And how do we do it? Together, let's get into it. Our purpose? To do the work. To truly peel away at the extremes, for it's the extremes, the extremes that divide us. The tail is wagging the dog. Small groups of people with outsized voices are commanding the stage, and the rest of us? Well, the rest of us suffer for it. It's time for all that to change. Let's lean into discomfort. Let's have the hard conversations, and together, let's etch the edges. Welcome back to Etch the Edges. We're back again with our good friend Dennis Mercon, and we're going to etch the edges and talk about what's hot and what's not as we slide close into this year's presidential election. I think one thing we need to really lean into is the fact that you've got to uh stand back and stand by <laughs> and that's a hell of a thing dennis what, what do we say about stand back and stand by brother Ooh, man that seems like a lifetime ago we said that doesn't it i mean i guess yeah. it was i guess it was just about five days ago but uh whew. insane he makes it hot doesn't he I he mean, does he, makes he it does hot. We should make this a daily podcast, not a weekly podcast. I think we might need to make it a daily podcast because <laughs> he consistently makes news over and over and over I, again. But, you know, hitting the stand back and stand by, what kind of man, what kind of man puts that out there? Look, you know, Dennis, your perspective. Critique that, critique that performance and leading into that, that Proud Boys call out. What is that to you? Well, at the end of the day, I mean, his performance is exactly what I what I expected it to be. Not 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 to debate the individual, but just to yell at him, interrupt him. I mean, it, it's your whole premise of this podcast, right? We want intelligent debate, we want intelligent discussion, and and we want to find a common ground. Ain't on his radar. He doesn't care about it. Doesn't matter to him. He wants to belittle, yell, and incite. And so if you were to ask me what word to stand back and stand by mean, it's incite. That's all that's all that is. Absolutely. It definitely goes straight in sight. I can't argue with that at all. I mean, I went in from the perspective of he's gonna go off the chain a little bit, you know, shaking ground, but at the end of the day, you know, we're gonna be able to talk about a few policy points. He effed it up so bad. That, you know, even mm -hmm. after the fact, when I heard folks say that Biden didn't put any policy points out there, I was like, yes, he did. I mean, he laid out quite a few of them. He just never could finish articulating a thought. Hey, yeah, he, he could never finish a thought. That was yeah, the problem. Yeah, it was crazy. He talked about he's not support, he doesn't support defunding the police. As a matter of fact, he's for increased funding and for right-sizing the police force and augmenting them with support staff. He talked about the Biden plan that isn't the green energy plan. It's the Biden mm -hmm. plan. And he wants to make right. sure that we have modern manufacturing, house build-outs, infrastructure, things that increase, you know, uh, renewable energies. He talked about all of that. He went into um, he went into the c continuing the healthcare stuff. You know, he talked yep. about that too. He laid out a ton of crap. 
You know, I mean, like you said, he didn't get to elaborate on it because no. he kept getting interrupted. But you're right. He, he did. Whether you agree with him or disagree with him, he laid out policy points. He sure did. He sure did. And I have to say, I got to say, you know, I got to give the man full credit. Dennis, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I sat there and I watched him. And as the thing descended, when the when the man glanced over to his right, my left, and he said, man, will you just shut up? Shut up. I jumped up. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. jumped up. Well, I if, said, if, yes. if, if, if I give Trump any credit, it's that I thought he was going to be far nastier about um, Biden's kids than he was. <clears throat> um, but I, I, I feel like Biden shut that down pretty quickly. Um, so kudos to him for not not letting that derail his demeanor, derail his, you know, his focus of, of what it was about. So. Absolutely. He shut that down quite well. And it was, he did. you know, because yep. when you really think about how he leaned in to come at him about that, it was disgusting. You know, yeah. it was, it was, it was really kind of gross. And I mean, he, he's buried several of his kids. Um, he, you know, he buried his first wife. Uh, he, you know, I believe he took the oath of office for a U.S. Senator at the hospital. Yeah. Um, while, while his while his son that's now deceased of, of cancer was still in the hospital. So, I mean, you, you got to that's way below the belt to, to, start, to start going the there. Yeah. I mean, you got to be a real lowbrow, dirty individual or 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 or, 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 or a narcissist. <laughs> One woman, no morals. Yeah, no, no morals <laughs> at all. Go there like that and do it with a smirk on your face. You know, your kid's yeah. got a drug problem. You know, your, your other son, you know, he, he got kicked out of the army. This old bone spur, old bone spur, yeah. talking about yeah. a man who went over on the other side of the planet and put it on the line. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll vote for a guy that got kicked out of the army ahead of the guy that never went in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it real plain. Let's yeah, make it right? real plain, I mean, right? You know, this, this guy talks bad about a person like John McCain, and he's not fit to carry John McCain's dirty, beat-up old shoes. You know, yeah. he's not he's not fit to step into the clothes John McCain was wearing when he got out of the Hanoi Hilton. This, yeah, this you know, man we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, you know, back to my conservative days, how this started. Like, I've always been a big fan of John McCain. I always felt he put politics secondary to policy and what he felt was right. And uh, I actually have a I, I should wear it. To, I, I I went and bought a USS John McCain T-shirt when all when all of that went down that, that I wear sometimes because yeah you're you're absolutely right. Um, look, this idea that military guys are losers or I like guys that don't get captured or whatever it is he says, you know, I, the there whether you agree, there was no greater love for this country that I think any senator has or you could put up against and then john mccain had for this country and what he put himself through that man could have been let out of the hanoi hilton because of who his father and grandfather were and he refused to do it he said nope i'm staying with my guys you know and and you're right what was it five i believe it was five years he stayed there through un unimaginable punishment and, and pain and and for you know captain bone spurs to, to to i mean it, it looked here it is, Derek. When the rich go to war, the poor die. That, that's that's the way it works. And not that John McCain was poor by by any stretch, but um, it, it it's an admirable thing to serve your country. I didn't. I'll be the first to say I, I grew up always wanting to be in the military. I'm surrounded by military people, and for litany of reasons, I I chose not not to serve. And I think 
my generation grew up kind of in a different time up until 9-11 we were kind of an anti-war time and things of that nature and and all of this kneeling and and whatever it is i have the utmost respect for our military you know and, and what they do and 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 you know, oftentimes they are simply pawns in a politician's war, but they always rise to the occasion. And for anybody to belittle or to demean their contribution to, to what they do is, is a, it's, it's probably the most unpatriotic thing you can do. So without a doubt. And I think he sometimes, not sometimes, we know he always forgets that he's the American president. Yeah, absolutely. Not president for some or a few. He's the American the red states. president. For the United States, right? Presidents of the red states of America. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean. I mean, these guys who go over there and put their lives on the line and happen to get captured or killed, you, you, when you say that they're suckers, like and losers, said, that, that mm-hmm. is, losers, that is not patriotic. And in the mm-hmm. same breath, he, he, he confuses nationalism nationalism that's the key word the same they're not and unfortunately for him i think we all can be sure too as he talks about you know you graduated at the at the back of your class and not the first that joe biden is head and shoulders above this clown and intelligence you know that yeah the dude probably doesn't know the difference between patriotism and nationalism or socialism (laughs) for that matter Well, you know, well, well, well so, so, so a little nugget there. I hope he's enjoying all that COVID treatment he's getting at Walter Reed <laughs> Hospital, which is a socialist premised medical center. I mean, it's based <laughs> off the government for the government. You know, I mean, at, at, let, let's be honest. Like, we got to be honest. Military, yeah, I mean, those are military doctors and he's not paying for that insurance. The U.S. taxpayers have paid for that hospital for all those brave men and women that are serving in it and treating him like welcome to socialist medicine medicine because that's where you are that's where you are and that that brings up a critical point right so um i think right about now in 15 minutes he's supposed to be getting released from walter reed um after his bout with covid so he is that's i have it pulled up i have it pulled up right now he is (laughs) so what 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 do we think dennis what 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 is this was he sick wasn't he you know you know, I, I just, I, 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 man, I just don't know. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's such a tough one for me. Like, look, do, do I believe that he tested positive? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't believe in the conspiracy theories that he didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's his own fault. I think all this probably ties back to the Supreme court um, party in the Rose garden where what I think I'm looking at now, I think it's 13, people have now tested positive i saw his press secretary god yes, love her she got it she got it you know and you know i mean the, the, what i will say not really in defense of him but in like in, in defense of people's opinions is that what, what's complicated about covid is i i could have covid right now yeah. and i feel fine right <clears throat> and i could be spreading it and and have no clue because i feel fine that's the to me that's the dangerous difference in this versus the Spanish flu versus Ebola versus any like, like, look, when you had the Spanish flu, you were sick, right? There wasn't this, I'm positive for it. And I'm asymptomatic. I mean, you were sick. And so, but to me, just that naivety and that unwillingness to, to lean on, on science and to just say, Oh, well, look, I feel fine. I just had a minor fever and a little cough. So I'm going to just keep on keeping on. I mean, I think today, yeah, I'm reading it right now on here. It says the president just tweeted that he'll leave the hospital today and 
type of, I don't know, naivety, stupidity. I, I don't, I, I don't know. Like this disease isn't going away because we're too stupid to let it go away as a yeah. people, right? Like that's the, our only hope is a vaccine at this point. And look, I say this coming from a place, I had an uncle die of COVID and I hadn't talked a lot about it. It wasn't an uncle I was overly close to, my dad's brother-in-law. Um, I've met, obviously I've met him, you know, yeah. through the years. He lived in Boston and I, I didn't grow up around him, but I mean, this, like, I'm 43 years old and I've never met a soul that died of the flu. So whatever, I've never, I've never known anyone that died of the flu. And I have a family member that's now died of COVID, right? And this is a different animal and people have got to start treating it as such. Look, I've got, I've talked about him before. I've got a friend that's a doctor that is conservative as conservatives come. And he scratches his head every day at Trump's handling and just opinions of COVID, right? Like, and it just, I, I don't know, the mask thing, the social distancing thing, the, it just like, what harm we talked about last what harm does it do to put a mask on when you go to the grocery store i tell you what boy that his whole comment about joe biden wearing the biggest mask he's ever seen didn't age well did it (laughs) 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 and and i have to you know and, and i'm right there with you i think um i think that the conspiracy theory stuff is nonsense I, I yeah. do think he got sick. We got. We definitely have to admit he is one to take advantage of a political situation, no matter for sure. how it plays out. So that's a given. You know, if it's, I don't think if anything, this will boost him in any way. You know, if he either. wants to come out and say that he's invulnerable and I'm Superman and I survive. That's so. that's what I'm worried about more than anything. This is going to be the greatest comeback you've ever seen. This is the greatest cure of you know, like that. That's what this is going to turn into. But. Yeah, and, and if but he's going to try to sell that, it's a crock of shit. The, the scarier part of all this is just like, I, I hope it's not a large sex of the population, but I mean, I've just come to the conclusion that there's people that just, like I'm going to say, they just don't have an independent thought, I guess, right? Like, no matter what this guy does, they stand behind he, him. He, he right. can, you know, because it, it, it was. He can clear. kill a man, he can kill a man in front of Trump Tower yeah. and get away with it, right? Or where was he it. said? I could kill a man on 67th Street and get away with it. I'm starting to believe that. Yeah, can, <laughs> yes, I'm right there with you. You already knew where I was going, man. It's like, I think he could do that. I think he could. Yeah, and, and, and they'd be fine. They'd actually be posting, well, you know, you have they to justify, justify it. that yeah. he did it because it was for America. Right, right. <laughs> he I had just, to kill that guy from America. What did that guy do wrong yeah, to make our president yeah. Donald John Trump have to just kill that man? Because that he needed killing, right? He right. needed killing. Got to be some reason, right? Got to be it, some reason. This is who they are, and it is. Well, I mean, yeah, so look. So let me prep. I'm going to say this. I thought about saying this, and I went back and forth on whether I should. So I don't want this misconstrued. As bad as Trump is, as crazy as Trump is, as much of a narcissist, he is not on the level of a Hitler or or any of these guys like that. However, for me, looking at things through the lens of history and through the lens of, you know, newspapers written many, many moons ago, I've often wondered, how does a guy like Hitler rise to power, right? Like, like, he went, a guy, single check and balance built along the way for him to rise to power, right? And he made it all the way to the top yeah. and was able to to pull off and do the most atrocious things history's ever seen and there's been more yeah. people like him right the the bosnian 
guy, I can't remember his name now, but that was in our Lobodon lifetime, right? There. Milosevic. There you go, Milosevic. Um, yeah. Now, granted, Trump is not in the category of those guys, and I by no stretch am I saying that he is, but I wonder sometimes, like, I thought the intellect of this country was better that a, a, guy, a nationalist like Trump would never be able to ascend to the highest office in this country. Like, we've got too many checks and balances, be it the media, be it what, like, there's no way a guy, a nationalist, like a populist like that can rise to power. And yet here we are in the most advanced society we've ever known, you know, and with the technology we have, the, the instantaneous information that we have. And, and, and this pop star TV guy that, that produces a television show with these outlandish ideas becomes the president of the United States. Like how, how do, so then I look and I say, well, you know, I mean, you look at Hitler and you scratch your head and say, well, how's a guy like that rise to power, right? Like, yeah. there's got to be parallels in, 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 you know, manipulating the vote. And I don't mean manipulating the vote, like, illegally in the sense of, like, voter fraud <laughs> or whatever. Like, I just mean, like, like manipulating the story. And, and, and what I've learned is that people want to hear what they want to hear, right? It doesn't matter if it's true. That's the scary thing about this to me is that if somebody just says a story that aligns with what it is, they, their idealistic view of this country, which that's the other scary part of this, right? Like, what is your idealistic view of this country? Um, that if somebody beats that drum and they align with my belief system, well, I'm just going to vote for him blindly. It does not matter if he's telling the truth. And I don't like, I don't think at this point people care, like his base cares if he's telling the truth. I, I don't think they care. They don't. He's um, just their guy. And, yeah. And that's scary, right? That's scary to me. Like the only way you're going to accomplish what you want to accomplish and society's going to going to move forward is if we figure out how to engage in meaningful dialogue that's that's rooted in in facts but fa i realize that like I, I use the example all the time i use it with you like i realize that there is an opinion of like abortion that is for it or against it right and 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 there's not a middle ground right like there like to me there's just not a middle ground on that and that issue um but the folks that are for it still engage i mean some the intelligent ones will still engage in conversation that's hey look i believe that a life begins at, at conception right and and that's a hard one to to debate right like if that's what you believe and then i i don't believe that it happens until birth well then that's why the middle ground is so tough to 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 come to but like at least your opinion isn't built on a on a lie right like it's built on a, a core belief that you have um and i can respect that right like i can respect that using that as an example that that is your belief system but so much of what trump has built is just simply built on a lie yeah and that's the that's the scary part for me is that yeah we could be yeah, on I mean, a slippery slope i mean to your point right we need it so on the conservative side we know that it's much easier to be aligned around one thing. And you, you are so passionate about that one thing that you're willing to align with someone else who may think differently on you, but you've got that same thing in common. Liberals, not so much. You got to be aligned around four or five or all the things or things right now where we're, we're in combat. It's easier for conservatives to do that. It's just the mindset, they're stayed, right? But also when the environment lends itself to them getting apoplectic around something in response 
they excuse all kinds of stuff. Everything. Like, it, the evangelicals, right? It, 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 evangelicals. It, it, like I was raised, you know, Catholic, so I, I don't fall into place with like the, the more evangelical or Southern Baptist Protestant line of thinking. But, you know, for me, everything I know of evangelicalism, of Southern Baptist beliefs, the Protestant beliefs is that there's very, very little about this guy that you would respect, Period. that you would that you would want to be a part of. Abortion topic um, that because he says, he says, now I don't know that what he believes, but he says that I'm pro-life as pro-life can come and I will support any legislation that supports that. I'll support only judges that support it. To your point, that's good enough for them. Everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's potentially sexually, um, you know, harass people, if he's, you know, potentially rape women. None of it matters. None of it matters. Alleged rapists. Alleged rapists. Right. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. care. He's going to put judges that vote down, that that only put pro-life judges in place. And that's ultimately all that I care about. Um, And and for him, he only cares about winning. That's and that's it. all he cares about. He on the member, he's a narcissist that's just out for power. So all he cares about is winning. So all he did is he went out and found a topic to support that in general would would elevate him to the highest, you know, yeah, political seat in the land. And he rode that wave all the way in. And if anything, I think 20, 30, 40 years from now, this will be a, a case study in political science classes Ooh. of how morality and things that and the ethics do not matter if if you market yourself the right way under a right set of causes um you can ascend to the president of the united states absolutely and i'm going to say i'm going to say something that folks are going to find a bit controversial but i firmly believe it um and and i think it's 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 not fair to the guy um but even if it weren't him if he looked the same way it, it it wouldn't have mattered Donald Trump is a direct result of the election of President Barack Obama to the White House. Oh, so for sure. He got in the White House. There is this, this, this visceral reaction to him just being there. And you've got a whole bunch of folks that are on the other side that say, I just disagree with him. You know, I, I don't like his beliefs and whatnot. But they'd still send a watermelon tweet. Yep. You know? Fried chicken. Pickaninny tweet. Fried right. chicken. You know, those right. things are there in the subtle infrastructure that evil, that insidiousness that's at the root of the founding of this great nation informs these people and makes them incredibly angry. You get a Tea Party movement out of that. You yep. get a refutation of almost anything that sounds reasonable or rational because he was the reasonable, rational guy. Right. You tie that to that individual, that individual of color, and all of a sudden, all that shit has to go out the window. Right. So the response now is on the conservative side, we're going to go ahead and highlight these guys, you know, and, and get them to run against them. We couldn't get McCain to, to beat him. We couldn't get Mitt to beat him. We got Jeb. We got all these other guys. We got Rubio. Rubio should be able to surely take him out. And then you had this guy stepped onto the podium. He came down the escalator at his gilded castle in the middle of Manhattan, <laughs> his tower, and he said wonderful things like, you know, Mexicans are rapists. And I'm going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. This is red meat. This is chum. Uh, it's chum in the water. That's all it is. That's all the it last is. eight years have been pure un-American hell. We're going to make America great again. 
We're gonna make and, it. And at the end of the day, like, you know, pe like people's willingness to dismiss facts, like, look, totally. we talked about it before. The stock market was already on an upward tick. Unemployment was already low. I mean, granted, did Trump get it lower? Sure, he did. Right. But I mean, at and the end of the day, hasn't gotten it as many new jobs as Obama. At, yeah. Well, at this point, he's lost. At this point, he's his net net is he's lost jobs, but he, yeah, he, yeah. he gets to blame the pandemic for it. So. So, so that's the that I'm going to say that's the excuse his base. Yeah, he's going to have pilfers now is now. that well, could you have done any better with a global pandemic? You know, so that's yeah. that's going to be yeah. that's going to be. The, the drum he beats on this, but like let let's just and let me be clear. I never voted for Obama, right? That's part of the reason you have me on the show, right? Like I I I went through my awakening, if you will, through the Obama administration. So I never voted for him, um, but I can look back at his presidency objectively i believe and say he was handed a pretty shitty economy right like yeah right you know um uh, he things weren't exactly going well from him i believe the first thing he had to deal with was the automo automobile industry buyout no, right no, 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 tarp, no, it was a second it was tarp or was it tarp yeah so i mean he wasn't exactly handed so and and what and what I don't get is talking to Trump's base is that they can't even acknowledge that no. he he was at least handed no. a historically great economy. Did he make it better? No, I don't think he made it better. But if the person in the office gets to claim the credit for it, then fair mm -hmm. enough. He made it better, right? But he did not handle he was not handed, I'm sorry, an economy that Obama was handed. Right. And honestly, let's be honest, too. Like, if you want to start talking about like, oh, I saw something there today. Don't know if it's true. As I reflect back on my lifetime, I feel like for the most part, it's probably accurate just on what I saw. Bill Clinton wasn't exactly handed a great economy. Right. The recession right. is effectively George H.W. Bush should have won that election in a landslide. Right. He, he was he was historically one of the most popular presidents in the history of this country going into the election and yep. into the campaign times. Right. He was coming off the Gulf War. He was the world's hero, you know, and we dipped into a recession. And he and said, right, this, remember this, Dennis, he said right. that read my lips read my lips no, no new taxes new right taxes. and 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 unfortunately he was backed into a corner politically kudos to the democrats that was in a lot of ways a marketing ploy that they backed him into a corner to where he had no choice but to raise taxes yep. and then they had a drum to beat right you said yep. no new taxes and you raise the taxes but but the economy slipped into a recession and it's the old adage it's the economy stupid the economy. right it doesn't matter that you just won a war of a extraordinarily popular war by the way yeah. right that, that the world supported it lasted 12 yep. days right like you know and you know we can debate the arguments of whether or not he should have left saddam in power then but regardless yeah. two short years later maybe it was even one short year later he wasn't elected right now okay. granted i know there was the ross perot factor and and some of these anomalies yeah. that happened but at the end of the day Bill Clinton inherited a, an economy coming out of a recession, and by the time he left office, he had historically one of the most successful economies the world's surplus. ever known. Now, we, he had a surplus, right? Now, we can argue, this is where, like I've always argued, one, the stock market's not the economy, right, and, and things of that right. nature, but in general, how much influence does a president, the government has a tremendous amount of influence, but the president have 
in terms of, you know, driving an economy, GDP, things of that nature directly. Clinton, Clinton, exactly. Clinton benefited from timing, right? This was the onset of the internet boom Mm -hmm. and the technology move. This, this will be the technology revolution, much like the industrial revolution was. And Clinton just happened to be there when it happened, right? Unlocked human genome. All right. That was great. Right. But how much, I mean, right. I mean, exactly. So, you know, you got to look at it holistically about one, just how much influence does a president really have over, over the economy Um, Two, the stock market, isn't the economy. It's an, it's a measurement of economic gains and, but it's not, it's, it's the economy, it's GDP, it's real unemployment, not just the unemployment stat they throw out. Like, you know, the economy, it, it's all, is how, the, the economy is me going to the goddamn grocery store and how much I can buy with the money in my pocket. Right. When you start to get, get the, the opinion surveys out there to see what my life is like and you report on those things, then that tells you what the economy is looking like. And we can't be stupid about that. Stock market is great. It's supposed to be forward looking, you know, it, but, you know, by the time something happens there and you've are, you, you know, a recession has occurred after it's occurred. <laughs> right. I mean, right. I mean, to me, what's the old adage, a rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. Right. So you can't disregard the the income gap, the income disparity, where we were 100 years ago, how much how much of the world's wealth or the country's wealth is is centered around, you know, one, two, three percent of the population versus where it was you know, shortly after World War II yep. and, and things yep. of that nature, right? Like you, you, you are fundamentally missing the bigger picture if you're not helping to raise people out of poverty. And, 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 and because I promise you that woman working three jobs, living in the inner city, raising three kids, four kids, whatever it is, um, that's making $10 an hour, that's working 90 hours a week, getting with the welfare. Get, getting welfare, living in Section 8 housing, she don't give two shits about this economy. At all. She don't care about the stock market being at 30000 That does not matter to her, right? What matters to her is, to your point, what's the buying power of the money in my pocket? And what are what is my earnings potential, right, to lift me out of this shit state that I'm in, right? And, and get these and, people around alignment, Dennis. We also got to remember her story is the same one in Appalachia. They Absolutely. Yeah, you're, 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 and we keep missing that. You're absolutely right, right? And that's why they voted, going to make us a cold country again, right? He was going to bring back the manufacturing jobs. And I can't fault them. I can't fault those people for believing, believing it, for wanting to believe that, yeah. right? Because if all you've ever done in your life was you worked at the GM assembly plant that's and your plant was moved to Mexico or – You've worked in the coal mines your whole life, and they've all been shut down. And that's that's what you know, right? That that's your purview of life. This this white horse comes along and says, "I'm going to bring it all back." Uh, you know, there there's there Derek. I believe there's probably a level of hopelessness in those small yeah. towns in Appalachia oh, and sure. and in the in, in the inner city of Chicago that I can't fathom, and I won't pretend yeah. to fathom. Exactly. And 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 so and they when will a guy take like any hand, any right out. Right. Rabbit. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if he's a liar. They right. believe it doesn't. It at the moment. Because they got nothing else. They got nothing else yeah. to believe in. Right. Like, think, on I mean, that I, one. think on that one. And that's what brings us to that peculiar situation where you can have people at a rally. Right. And the proud boys are here. 
and Herman Cain and his contingent are here. And you can explain to them that you're at the same rally with white supremacists. And right. they, just, they stare through you. They, right. You didn't say anything. You, you, you're like, you guys are on the, not only are you supporting the same guy, but you're like lined up together. No, we're not. Right. And besides look, that, Trump isn't a supremacist. And then the Proud look, Boys go, well, Trump supports us. Well, let me tell you something, Derek. I, I grew up in a state that almost elected a Klansman as a governor, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and, and, and in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, that was my first foray into politics. That's the first yeah. time I paid attention. I feel like I was in middle school, maybe eighth grade, maybe starting high school when 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 Mr. Duke, David ro Duke. rose to prominence. Um, yes. And to reflect back on that as a young kid and remember the things my neighbors may have said and, you know, in a very racially divided place, at least in that moment in time in Louisiana, it may not have been the prevailing sentiment in the United States, but it certainly was where I grew up, um, right. you know, for, for those moments. It, it's, it's unfathomable to me that to your point, Herman, Herman Cain and his, contingent of whatever outlandish things they believe to bring him there would sit in the same room as defined white supremacists, right? Like, yeah. and, and think there's some commonality between us <laughs> that, that, cause that, yeah, just, it, 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 it makes no sense to me. And let's, and it's a real, let's be real plain. We get the one in between the, the, the two groups, LGBTQ. <laughs> Fascinating. Right. Yeah, exactly. And they're right there. They're right yeah. there. You look yeah. at this and you go, again, like you said, you, your concern is shared by so many of us. Are we really thinking? Are we thinking, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, you, some of you got a good job, some of you don't, you know, all up and down the socioeconomic ladder, but you somehow are able to find yourselves aligned together, supporting this guy who lies to you. And not only that, but some of the things he espouses would utterly destroy your lives. Well, they, they be, I got to believe that at this point, much better at aligning people on one topic, right? Like to your point, usually the more independent to liberal thinker needs four or five things to align with them in order for them to pull, to pull the lever on a candidate versus, you know, conservatives tend to focus on one topic, whatever that topic is, taxation, pro-life, military, whatever, whatever that one topic is. And they holistically rally around that candidate based on his or her's opinion of that one topic. And, and they move forward based on that belief system and they disregard everything else around them. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's what allows candidates like Trump or like this, we talked about last time, this woman in Georgia that is an Antifa yeah. you know, or not, or whatever. The, what's Q and Q and yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. You know, um, you know, and like just everything else be damned. And I just say like that again, it goes back to like my, my Hitler example. That's how these folks rise to power, right? Like they, yeah. they just, they, they rally around one topic and everything else be damned. Even those other things, oh, even if those be damned things are very bad things, right? Like <laughs> racism, like, or whatever they might be, right? Like who cares if he's a racist? Like, um, which, he's still which, my guy. He's still my guy because he's pro-life, right? You know, and like, like, and that's like, this, I don't know, man. I just, I worry about this great experiment we call America. I do too. 
And well, my thing is, and you know, I think it's critically important, and we've seen it over time that the the belief that we have to hold on to is there's still a way lot more of us than there are of them, right? There um, are, you know, proven time and I was, again. I was watching um, a show on Netflix. I don't know what it's called, but it just came out. It's about does my vote count? I think is what it's called. You should check it out. I think really I know what you're talking about. Yeah, really good. You know, and they were interviewing AOC. And look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of AOC. I respect really what what she's been able to do. And, and you know, I, I respect an, like a true outsider figuring out how to make her way, you know, in, into that scene in, in Washington as, a, again, as a true, true outsider. Again, I've said it before. Trump sold himself as an outsider, but Trump is the swamp, right? Like, the swamp. you know, I said it, I think, in our first podcast that we did together. This country is run by special interest and money, yeah. right? So for Trump to say, uh, you know, I'm not part of that, you, you like, I had a friend, I think I said on your first podcast, he always said, politics aren't driven by politicians, right? Politics are driven by the people behind the scenes pulling the levers. Yeah. Trump is a man behind the scenes pulling the levers. Pulling the levers. Yeah. And we talked about the importance of voting at a local level, voting at a state level, not just the right. presidential election, right? I assure you this man was pulling levers at a local level like we cannot imagine. He was just pulling levels levers at a local level in one of the largest economies in the world in New York City, which is what yeah. helped make him as powerful as this. I don't believe for a second that a bartender in Brooklyn or wherever, Long Island, wherever she was bartending, had the influence, the power, or the money to to move the needle politically, right? Like, At she's all. somebody that finagled her way through the system and woke up one day and were like, how'd this bartender become a congresswoman? <laughs> how'd that shit happen, right? How'd like, that happen? We, we, we let one in. We <laughs> let one in. We let one through. <laughs> right? Like, like, but, you know, in, in this interview, she was talking about how the Washington engine Democratic or Republican mm -hmm. isn't built for the common person, right? Like, look, I got my own set of ideals. And I'm sure at some point you, you want to talk about taxes. So let's do it. Let's talk about taxes for a minute, right? My wife and I are people that grew up, I would say, lower middle class, maybe poor. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I certainly never went without. I always had a roof over my head. Yeah. I took vacations every once in a while, but I didn't live in a fancy neighborhood. I lived in a very diverse neighborhood. I lived in a 900 square foot house with three bedrooms and one bathroom. You know, I shared a bathroom with parents, sister, the whole, you know, like I didn't grow up wealthy by any stretch and my parents aren't wealthy by any stretch today. Um, you know, I didn't benefit from things like hope and tops and, and these collegiate scholarship programs. You know, I had to kind of claw my way and, and figure out, you know, how to pay for it on my own, working 40 hours a week, being a full time, like, Again, people have plates way worse than mine, but I say that to level set that look, I didn't come from a lot, I didn't come from Trump's family, yeah. Um, you know, and and my I think my wife, my wife is from a very, very similar situation to me. She grew up in the same town I grew up in, she went to the same high school. Um, and you know, her dad was a barber, mom was a secretary, and you know, she didn't grow up, you know, wealthy either, and and you know by certain standards, we would probably be considered, I hate to say it, but we probably would be considered by society standards, certainly upper middle class now, right? With the yeah. jobs we have, the incomes we earn, you know, my wife is a director for a bank, you know, I work in IT. Um, so we do well and, and nobody should feel sorry for me and my wife, 
But um, having said that, my wife and I are two W-2 employees for Fortune 500 companies. <clears throat> um, and we do make a fair amount of money. Not saying we don't. The tax system is not built for me. Yeah. So I feel guilty about this conversation. Again, do not feel sorry for me and my wife, right? Um, don't. However, the tax that I, as an upper middle class person, can tell you the tax system fucks me. Right. My, my wife and I are W-2 earners that have no other deductions other than the standard deductions or a mortgage interest deduction. And we pay substantially more than $750 a year in taxes. <clears throat> Eat your lot. Substantially yeah. more. And we make just enough money. That's probably an exaggeration. We make enough money, more than enough money to where we benefit from very few, like, like we're going to pay for college for my daughter. Yeah, I ain't getting a damn thing towards college for my daughter. Right. Um, and, and I've got four kids. So, you know, do that math. Uh, again, we can afford it. So don't feel sorry for us. Um, but when I see a billionaire, a billionaire pays no taxes, pays $750 a year, you learn real quickly that this tax system is written by wealthy people for. who are business owners yeah. who are not W2 employees of any company yeah. and all of those tax breaks and tax advantages are, are built to benefit them. I will preface this by saying I am a complete fair tax guy. I think everybody should contribute mm -hmm. from the poorest of the poor, even if in, in arrears or in return, they get d better benefits. I think everybody should see money come out of their paycheck yeah. um, and, and know where that goes. But I do not think for a second that a person that is worth billions and outside, and a lot of times people get confused on these things, right? He's not making billions every year per se, right? That's not cash liquidity, right? That's a, I spent 500 million on a building five years ago. And because I'm a shrewd businessman or a corrupt businessman, pick your poison. <laughs> um, that building today is worth a billion dollars yeah. and I own it free and clear. So Five years ago, I was worth a half a million dollars. Five years later, I'm worth a billion dollars. That You could own a billion dollar building and have $100 in your checking account. You Very could, good. right? Now, yeah. now you've, got an, you've got an asset to leverage, yeah. to sell, to borrow against, do whatever, to get some liquidity or to, to get some cash. Um, but what Trump's tax return showed is he's not as liquid as you think we are, as he thinks he is, but he has these advantages through this extraordinarily complex engine he's put in place of corporate things of that nature to to reduce it so i think i saw one year like in his peak of of apprentice which the apprentice is an interesting conversation now because it saved him yeah, or it at did. least postponed his misery right. um and that might that misery might be coming shortly yes but indeed. regardless um i think one of his highest income earning years in the last 15 years was somewhere around a hundred million dollars is what they estimate right now that's a lot of money don't get me yeah. wrong but derek i didn't ever make anywhere near a hundred million dollars in a year and i have paid five figures year after effing year in, tax. in taxes yep. and, and not not in social security or <laughs> medicare 
in income taxes. Yes. <laughs> in in income taxes. And the fact that he can make six, seven, eight, nine figures and not owe anybody a dime should tell you that this system is broken. And let me let me preface it by saying this. I believe a bootless man can't pull himself up by the bootstraps. It's true. I, be, I believe we are all part of a greater society and go. we all have our own advantages. I had a lot more advantages in my life than some people did. And look, there's people out there that had a lot more advantages than I did. Right. So we're all part of a bigger engine. It yeah. takes a village. Right. Right. And I think all of us should have to put into that village and you should have to put into it. If you can put into it monetarily, if you can put into it through grunt work, it, however you can put into it, we should all put into it to, 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 to raise the tide. Right. So all ships can rise. And I think what, I don't like, don't get me wrong. I think there's skeletons. I think there's a cemetery, a big cemetery out <laughs> back of one of his buildings of secrets, fraud, tax evasion, the whole nine yards. It but in general, yeah. in general, I also do know that there are people out there that are worth a lot of money and make a lot of money that are not violating any law Ew. whatsoever and are not paying anything in taxes. And that is a crime. I think that is, it's not literally a crime, but I think it is that's just where, not fair. It's wrong. It's just, yeah, it's just not fair, right? Yeah. Like, like every time I go sit down and talk to my CPA, he says, Dennis, you got to go buy a rental property. You, you got to get a side hustle. Like, yeah, you, you need some write-offs. You, like, uh, like you need some write-offs, brother. You need some write-offs, right? Like, <laughs> Like, and I, like, look, I'm just going to be honest, right? Like, I'm going to get killed on the comments for this. I'm too effing lazy to get a side gig. I don't want a side gig to save on taxes, right? I just want everybody to pay the same fair share, right? Like, like, look, I've worked hard to get where I've gotten to. I've gotten myself educated. I figured aspects of the system out and I do pretty well. Yeah. And I want to watch LSU on Saturdays and my New England Patriots on Sunday. I don't want to go run a popcorn wagon. <laughs> I don't want to go run a snow cone stand. Right. <laughs> because the reality is, is the amount of money that my wife and I make to live the lifestyle I want to live. I ain't got to. I hear you. I and hear I'm you. fine paying 30 or $40,000 a year in taxes as long as Trump has to pay his same share or any other wealthy person. What right. I don't like is that these other business owners or whatever they, whatever they call themselves, don't have to pay anything. Anything. 750 bucks. 750 bucks. Right. $750. And only one of the last 15 years, the other 14 years he paid nothing. Right. So <laughs> that's my frustration. That's yeah. my frustration. Right. Like that's like, well, if you can't tell, you, you get a few drinks of me on this one and I'll get fired up about it, right? Because I just, and look, I think I said this, like I started, I have a degree in accounting and my first several years out of college, I worked at a CPA firm. I did, did taxes and did audits for very prominent wealthy people, you know, where I lived at the time, famous athletes that made a lot of money, successful business owners, and I saw the game, right? Yeah. I, I didn't know what it was at the time. I was too young and too naive to know but I know now what it is. Right. And it's just, it's not, it's don't feel sorry for me, but it's not a fair system. Right. It's just not a fair system. And like, 
that's what I think has to be evaluated is I ain't mad at Trump. I ain't mad at him. At like th- 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 this may be, may not be popular. Somewhere. Like I, ain't, again, I think there's bodies buried out there, yeah. but in general, I think 90% of what he probably did was completely within the construct yeah. of, of what was legal much. according to the, yeah. yeah. And again, I don't believe anything he says, but <laughs> I do believe that in that case, I, I believe that he, look, he's got enough money to actuate a brevity of tax attorneys and CPAs and lawyers to figure out how to deduct a $70,000 haircut, right? Like people yeah. love to talk about that. Here's the reality of it. There's probably nothing wrong with that at the end yeah. of the day. You and I can't fathom it, but at the end of the day, the way the tax code's written, the way the IRS looks at those things, there's honestly probably nothing wrong with that because they say, would a reasonable and prudent person believe this expense makes sense? But the reasonable, prudent person has to look through through the lens of him. Yeah. We all use a joke all the time, right? If Bill Gates walks around, he drops 100000 on the ground. It's equivalent to me and you drop in 10, right? Because we say, oh, Bill Gates is worth $70 million. And so <laughs> when he loses $100,000, it's not a big deal to him. Yeah. And it's not, right? Same thing with Trump. If he's worth two, three, four, five billion dollars $5 and he wants to spend... $10,000 a month on a haircut, it's really not that different than me and you spending $30 on a haircut. Yeah. So you bring it back to a reasonable, prudent person looking through the lens of Trump would probably say, that's reasonable. And then when you layer on things like he's a public figure, he's on television, he like, look, that's what it is. right. A weatherman on your low on, on 11 alive can deduct their suits. Yep. Right. It's they a gotta look good on air. Right. I think that I think the haircut is fine. I think what we're going to find, Dennis, is when they dig more into this, there are certain things where there was some impropriety and he skipped over the line. Like, I think he's got an upstate mansion in New York that his family just lives in that has nothing to do with any of the Trump businesses. And he's running it through. Yeah. Well, I, the other one I think I saw was that, like, he paid legal expenses for his son yeah. through the business that were related to personal lawsuits yeah. for his son. Yeah. Like that, that's not fair. That's not legal. No reasonable proof. The IRS will not sign off on that. I also think where the murky water gets is with his international ties. Definitely. And I think that's a smoking gun that's coming. I think. And he's uh, got 400 million in, in what? In debt? In debt due. Yeah. Coming due in 2022. Yeah. And what, and what these tax returns shows is he ain't got $400 million in the bank. So uh, there is. And, yeah. and so, that debt for him works just like your mortgage. And, and, what, yeah. and here's a dirty little secret. What rich people do, people like Trump do, is they take like interest only type notes all the time through banks. And basically they, have, they tend to have this belief that, hey, I'm gonna take this, let's call it a, it's not a mortgage. It might be, they may, they may leverage an asset against it like a, like a Trump tower. And they say, hey, I need to borrow $400 million and the bank says, okay, well it's secured by this building worth a billion. So there's no risk to us, right? We'll just take the building from you. If, if it doesn't work out, they give him the $400 million and his pay structure is set up such that he only pays interest or some nominal fee on that $400 million for 20 years. And at the end of 20 years, they say the $400 million is going to come due. Well, most rich people, especially egotistical maniacs like Trump, believe, well, 20 years from now, I'm going to be worth $20 billion, and I'll have a billion dollars in my checking account, and I'll be able to write a $400 million check with no problem whatsoever. Well, then what happens is, well, welcome to 2022, right? And I ain't got $400 million in my checking account, and I don't want to sell my buildings in order to pull I'm president. Pull this off. So 
so but now I'm president, so let me see if I can leverage that power since a lot of these loans are guaranteed by foreign governments, Russia, India, whoever it might be, and see if I can work some deal that 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 skirts legal lines. Yeah. Um, and, and and maybe as a favor to me, you write a little of this debt off. And, and that's what and we'll, and we'll be good. Says, he's yeah. a security risk. Right. He is. Right. One so, of the number one things foreign powers use in order to leverage American citizens, their debt. Puts us in right. a bad space, brother. Puts us in a bad Now, we're going to have to do another show on Texas all along that. We rolled that one out, and that one was lightning fast and quick. But Dennis, we always have a lot to talk about, man. You cracked me up today, I gotta <laughs> tell you. And you know, we're gonna catch some flag behind that popcorn. We shit. are. <laughs> we <laughs> are. <laughs> Dude, you're insane. Yeah. Um, you know, if anyone cares to email me, we'll clarify that. But Look. just uh, Look. understand this people make choices. And some of us, like myself, I am a dyed in the wool, desirous entrepreneur, and I keep things on the side. And I still wanna do some of those things. Whether they come to pass, we'll never know. Dennis is making it real clear. I just want to do my gig. I want to watch my game. Leave me alone. In between both of our extremes is the same mandate. There's a road outside of my house. It's well paved. It's nice. It's clean. And some of my tax dollars go towards that. That's the price you pay for being an American citizen. American freedom is a complex thing. and It requires that you participate. And part of that participation means pay your goddamn taxes. And, you know, I, I think we all might not like to agree on that, but we have to. It's part of what makes this, 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 this damn thing, with this wonderful experiment that we call America Works. And at the end of the day, that's the bottom line. Dennis, thank you for etching edges with me again, brother. Yes, sir. Anytime. All right now. Well, there you have it. The election, early voting, just around the corner. We have been existing in strange days, and to be sure, they will get stranger still. As Dennis so eloquently put it, you just can't predict this stuff. We, we struggle to understand the why and how we got here. But when we dive deeper and we have the conversations and we lean into discomfort, we do understand. Each human being is a billion possibilities, and of course, much of this you simply can't predict. But we have to do the dialogue, consider critical thinking, and do the work of achieving clarity to get us through the past and accept it, muster the courage to power on in the present for the hope of a better future. And we will do that. And the truth of our actions will be proved out on November 3rd, or perhaps a little bit thereafter, right? We'll see how it goes. We'll have Dennis back soon enough because there'll be more strange days to unpack and we will do that in an effort to close the ideological divide and find common ground. So, with that understanding, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Etch the Edges. And if you did, please like and subscribe, share it with your family and friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Etch the Edges. And don't forget, check out our website at etchtheedges.com. Join the movement. Express your commitment to the cause, the cause for a better America, a better world, where we can all stand together at the mountaintop. Do it for America. Be good to yourselves, people, and each other. We'll see you next time.